The man of will breaks all boundaries. As above, so below. Magic of come to realize is a new way of seeing our own world. Something divine truly does exist. You're listening to the Culture Shock podcast with your host, Dave Escuro. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Culture Shock podcast. I'm your host, Dave. Thank you once again for listening to part two of my conversation with Whitney. Whitney is a photographer, a videographer, and he is a practicing magician. We sort of went stream of consciousness and just sort of captured a conversation that was really three hours prior to hitting record in the making. And we touched on a bunch of topics. As If you listen to part one, you'll know that we talked a lot about... Um, people and and ourselves, how we sort of got into magic and sort of how to test whether or not magic's working for you or the particular path is working for you. And this part of the conversation will carry on with that, as well as talk about some of the ethics behind magic, which I don't feel like get talked about enough. So um, Whitney is an amazing person in general, and he's one of my favorite people to talk to off recording or on. And I hope that you all enjoy uh, part two of my conversation with Whitney as much as I had having it. So without further ado, part two of my conversation with Whitney. What I see and as I've and, and what I've come to understand and what I'm continuing to understand is that mm-hmm. the the integration of any sort of spiritual practice, uh, if it's not actively making you the best version possible in that moment, yeah. then I think it at very minimum it requires um, some analysis. You know? I yeah I agree a hundred percent. I mean, um, you know, if you're not doing that, then it's a fashion statement. I think. Yeah. Right. You know, um, it really. I've been on both sides of it. Like I've definitely left it unexamined and sort of um, not taken things seriously along those lines. Or I've also. Um, really taking it seriously and also like I said you know taking responsibility for practices that I thought were a good idea and then saw results and it was pretty undeniable after a certain point that like oh this practice is um, making everything worse on every level Mm -hmm. and then what happens if I think about this a little bit and maybe adjust this variable if magic is an art and a science let's have an experiment you know and um then come to find out you know that the results are different right and so you go well there you have it like what do you what else do you want i mean it's pretty uh evident i guess you can say um everything that we're talking about here right is what i find so cool about magic for me Mm-hmm. And and really trying to integrate it into my life uh, more and more and more, uh, which I said to you right before we start recording, like you're one of the people whom I see really integrating it in every aspect of your life. Like you, you know, even to the point where like simple decisions, you you know, I don't speak for you, but like mm-hmm. divination obviously plays a role. Mm-hmm. And um, but the cool the, the cool thing about it all is that it it really reveals so much of yourself to yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, it, 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 if you allow it to, if you're willing to be, uh, to go into it with eyes wide open, uh, mm-hmm. and allow yourself to be accountable to what it shows you, mm-hmm. right? It's just like when people do tar- tarot and they, 
they avoid the tower card, right? Or they, yeah. were, they, they avoid the death card or whatever it may be. If you allow it to, magic will really reveal, you know, if, if you think about it revealing the mysteries of the universe, it essentially is revealing you to yourself and mm-hmm. then allows you to make the necessary changes. Again, if you're open to that, which it's sometimes difficult. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it involves a death of an identity or death of all identity. But mm-hmm. if you can do that, then at least for me, it it has made a very profound impact in the way I view the world. Like legitimately mm-hmm. the world is better as I've gone through this. And it has mm-hmm. required some adjustment on my part. Yeah. Um, but it also has divorced me from the opinions of others. Mm. You know, because because I am trying to divorce myself, it's some days better than others. Mm-hmm. But from passing judgment on on other people's behaviors, which I lack complete and total context from, mm. right? All nuances are revo- is removed from my understanding, and so I'm mm. only really looking at a surface level thing. And rather than spend my time in the world of like doom scrolling and drama <laughs> and things of that nature, which just kind of just take up time. Yeah. They're kind of just a reality show, essentially, right? Mm. Uh, George Carlin called it the circus. Like, instead of involving <laughs> myself with that, right. I'm trying to spend more time uh, really uns- discovering the marvels of what exists within, mm-hmm. which is far more fascinating to yeah. me than, like, the, the, the typical mundane gossip, drama, blah, 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 blaming each other, tribalism, politics, mm-hmm. all that all that shit that as Americans we spent so much time on, right? Mm-hmm. It just feels so boring and uninteresting yeah. and irrelevant to how I'm leading my life. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's interesting you talk about divination and about... Um, the ego, you know, those sorts of things, because I find that divination is a really interesting way to, if you're doing it right, if you're doing it the right way, it's a really interesting way for you to gain more understanding about what your ego even is Mm -hmm. and where it has control in areas you didn't necessarily notice before. You know, for example, um, If you, like you said, if you start to give over yourself to divination regularly regarding all sorts of kind of decisions or what have you, um, well, first of all, you have to accept a certain precept about divination Mm -hmm. for this to even work. But it's a good idea to do anyways with divination, I think, Um, which is that you don't argue with the results of a divination. And you don't try to cognitively cognitively reframe mm-hmm. the answer so that it fits your current worldview, right. because you don't understand it. Right. If you don't understand or uh, answer doesn't make sense, it's it's on you, not it's not the fault of the oracle. Right. Right. And it's not a problem with the answer. You just basically assume that you always are getting the answer because you are. Right. If you're doing divination. The answer is there. Whether you understand it or not is another matter. Whether right? you choose to understand it as well. Also, whether you, you may, choose you, to. You may not want to because right. you may not be willing to deal with that that reality. Exactly. And so an interesting thing about doing divination in that way for yourself, not for other people, but like uh, as a practice of um, doing it regularly is that you start to... Um, 
you start to learn things about yourself that um, are difficult to learn in other ways, mm-hmm. doing other things. For example, um, you know, you may do a divination and it, it tells you to do something that doesn't make sense or that isn't what your preferred choice was going in. But if you did the divination and you go by the precept I just mentioned, then you're essentially compelled to follow the advice of the oracle. So Mm -hmm. now what you're doing is training yourself to let go of your ego, Mm -hmm. taking Mm -hmm. your ego out of it, allowing yourself to have an attitude of non-attachment and also training your will. Is your will strong enough? that you're going to do what you said you were going to do. So even on the most micro level, just in one divination exercise, if you set out before you do it, I'm going to ask a question, and then whatever the answer is, I'm going to take that as guidance. Mm-hmm. And um, regardless of my reaction to the answer, regardless of my preconceived notions or my own preferences, I'm going to put those all aside And sometimes when you do a divination, you don't even realize how you're going to react until you're in the moment and reacting, right? Right. You might think, I'm going to react this way, but then you react maybe more strongly in the negative or something like that, and you don't know until it's happening sometimes. So you do the divination, and then let's say that's the case. Let's say that that's what happens. It's a test of your will. Are you going to have integrity or not? And this is obviously completely an exercise involving no one but yourself. Like, you're not reading for anyone else. You're not telling anyone you're doing this. You're doing it alone. Yeah. It's just between you and maybe your magical diary. That's it. Yeah. (laughs) Right? So, um, yeah, you get this answer that you don't like, uh, let's say. And um, it's like, are you going to do what you said you were going to do or not? Are you going to change your mind now? Yeah. And then, you know, and then so you start learning things about yourself. When when you do one of those two things, you learn something about yourself mm-hmm. from that choice that you make at that point, right? So it's interesting to do that kind of thing, um, to do regular divination, because, um, you know, you do start to recognize like, oh, I really, you know, why am I afraid of this answer that right. just came through? Why am I so sure of of myself about this thing but this is challenging that like why am i fighting it Mm -hmm. why do i you know and you and uh one of the things that said that divination does like if i'm trying to talk about divination i wouldn't normally bother to do this but if i'm talking to someone about divination that doesn't believe in divination as like a spiritual um tool doesn't believe in a spiritual cosmology is Mm -hmm. totally like a scientific materialist like Mm -hmm. that type of worldview right uh doesn't allow for those things to be possible at all um let alone believe in them affecting us at all well uh there's the there's the case to be made that even if they're right okay right uh what doing divination does is it gets you to think about things from a different perspective right forces you to do that Obviously, I don't believe that it's that's all it is. I do think if you call on higher guidance and then bring out any tool, whether it's tarot cards or a coin that you flip, that 
that higher guidance will use the tool you're presenting to it and will then give you an answer with that tool as yeah. the intermediary tool that I'll, you that you chosen. I'll give right? you I'll give you an example. This happened yesterday. Right. I uh, we were on set and it was lightly drizzling. Right. And we were debating because we only had this film set that I was on only had two pop up tents. One mm -hmm. had to go over the caterers themselves. One had to go over camera. So mm -hmm. for the seating area, if it rains, we're kind of fucked, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm talking to the location person. And we're talking about whether or not it will rain or not. And we're like, what would we do if it does? You know, we're trying to strategize ahead of time. And she said, mm -hmm. heads or tails. Mm -hmm. And I didn't quite pick up what she said because she didn't have anything out. And she's and then she repeated heads or tails. I said, tails. Without thinking, I just instinctually went off my, my uh, immediate gut reaction. And she flipped a penny. Mm -hmm. And she, she showed it and it was tails. Mm. And it didn't rain. Yeah, because that's what we were hoping for. I was like, I was yeah. in the point of our conversation, and I'm not doing magic actively yeah, in right. my mind, right? I'm not yeah. like I'm just having a conversation on set, and mm -hmm. I'm saying, you know, all we need to do is get past lunch. If we can just, if the rain will just <laughs> hold off to after lunch, yeah, then the rest we can figure out. And that's when she mm -hmm. said, "Flip a coin," and then the coin landed tails as I had asked, and sure enough, the rain held out to after lunch. Yeah, and. When you accept that those things can occur, they do all the time, yeah. whether you're actively doing magic or not. Mm -hmm. You know, in fact, uh, I think it's an Eccles quote that we do magic all the time. It's just a matter of whether, or maybe it's, I don't, someone has a quote about we do magic all the time. We might as well get good at it. Who did, who said that? Um, Crowley said that. Oh, is it Crowley? At okay. Yeah. Point, yeah. Yeah. So Eccles probably said that too. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I think, I mean, I think anyone who does this practice that long I'm enough. I'm sure I said it. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. we, you, you recognize that. We've always done some form of magic. We might not have called it that. We might have mm -hmm. called it Catholicism. Mm -hmm. We might have called it, uh, um, you know, Judaism. We might have called it uh, what a, luck, luck of the draw. You know, mm -hmm. whatever it is, we 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 do. Like Carl Jung calls it synchronicities. Yeah, exactly. You know, one way to define magic is the art of engineering the the synchronicities you want. There you rather go. than just being a victim to like quote unquote chance or circumstance. Right? Yeah, or circumstance. Right, Have, having more active role in the participation of engineering favorable synchronicities for you. Let's say, for example, I mean that's thaumaturgy. That's not theurgy. Right. That's practical magic, at least to be a bit reductive. Maybe I mean obviously there's crossover, but really, um, yeah, Crowley, you know, certainly talked about how everyone's doing magic. Um, but that, you know, also predates Crowley. I'm trying to think of the name of the, there was a, a writer that had basically the exact same quote. Well, as, as good as a curator um, as Crowley may have been, pretty yeah. much all of his philosophies predate Crowley. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah exactly. Know. Exactly. So <laughs> he was like the Pluto yeah. TV of, of magical philosophy, you know, yeah, or the Apple TV of magical philosophy. Like you can get all your apps in one place. Yeah. Yeah. Here. Yeah. Right? <laughs> he was an iPhone. He just <laughs> had all the apps there. Yeah. I mean, you know, I do think that deck though is great, but that's not, it's the artist. It's Frida Harris. It's not even, yeah. you know, Crowley may have designed the deck, but but yeah, that's one thing I'll say, um, just to sort of 
change the tone and just throw a compliment out and yet it's still a backhanded compliment because it's like i'm actually complimenting her more yeah. so than Crowley. but anyway yeah it's you know um doing magic all the time the thing about the thing about magic is was it maybe butler i can't remember who it was but somebody was saying um that um there's nothing supernatural about magic Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I've heard that before. Right. And it reminds me of the, you know, Arthur C. Clarke, the science fiction writer, wrote the 2001 Space mm-hmm. Odyssey, Childhood's End, which is a really good, really good book as well. Um, but he has a quote, which is, you know, any sufficiently advanced form of technology is indistinguishable from magic. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's sort of, it's that sort of thing of like, if we could understand the subtle forces at play in, let's say, a divination, um, then it wouldn't seem any more weird than our understanding of gravity is now at this point, right? Right. Um, so it's not that magic is this, like, woo. It's not that it's a woo-woo thing. It's that we're dumb. <laughs> yeah. That's what it well, is. Well, again, to talk about what we, what we said earlier, like we're three-dimensional creatures yeah. trying to talk about very various dimensions above us, energetic yeah. energies or energetic levels, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's things that we can't wrap our minds around, but that do affect us and mm-hmm. that we can affect, which is what the practice of magic is about, right? Yeah. Um, if you choose to want to i mean and then also obviously you accidentally have an effect as well which is like that whole idea of like you're practicing magic anyway might as well be good at it be good at it yeah yeah and it's like it's yeah it's that it's this thing of um just like the whole thing about christianity islam judaism all this stuff it's like if someone is a magician and is um one of these also religions and is like this is the only truth and the god of this religion is the true god and the others are like are demigods or Mm -hmm. false gods or subordinate gods or whatever it's like you don't understand anything about magic then right yeah because really um all of these things are are a means to an end they're tools they're maps like the tree of life is a map Right. Well, like imagine and it's a useful map, yeah. but it's also like science and all of these other things. It's like the uh, tree of life is a useful map for a certain type of spiritual development, mm-hmm. but it's not a useful map to get from Santa Monica to Hollywood. Right. You want a different kind of map for that. Yeah. If you right? try, if you try to but take Debreath to uh, yeah. Santa Monica, you're going to hit you're so gonna, much traffic. There's a lot of traffic. It's real yeah. bad. Yeah, you got to go like... Well, you uh, got the Vale of Paroquet right there. Yeah, so, that's true. You know, that's tough. But then the same thing with science. It's like if you try to apply science to spirituality, it's the exact same, I think, um, analogy where it's like <laughs> uh, science is ill-equipped to deal with spiritual subjects. It's not in its wheelhouse right. to do and vice versa. Right. right. To apply, you know, to try to contradict things that are in the domain of science, like, you know, to have that cross. It's just. Well, there's two things at play here. Number one, I don't think we need to strip the enchantment out of every aspect of our life. Like, right. The, the thing that I love about magic, because I don't see it contrary to science, is that mm-hmm. there's a poetry to it that 
science has all but eliminated. Yeah. Um, and that's fine because again, in in the worlds of um, although maybe some scientists would disagree with me, in the world of chemistry, right? You maybe don't need lang- colorful language or flowery language mm-hmm. to describe uh, a chemical reaction. Mm-hmm. For example, the, the results again will sort of speak for themselves. Will be marvelous in their own right. Mm-hmm. And and I think that we it's a very westernized thing for us to you you add to to view the world through a utilitarian lens mm-hmm. and and strive to constantly do that mm-hmm. rather than just allowing some things to exist between the lines you know the you've heard of the term like the 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 music between the notes yeah like to me that's kind of what magic is and i yeah. don't I, I mean if it helps you then whatever works right i think that the well, core music of what is a said, great thing to yeah. think about i think because um when you talk about these things you know ultimately it's like why do magic why do any religion why why bother you know if you really were just like this rational uh you know had this materialist view meaning it's only matter and material you know it's like there's nothing subtler than what's what's in the domain of science essentially there's nothing else that exists right no spiritual worlds no spirits no magic no divination can't work because there's nothing to there's nothing out there right so um if that's your belief how do you explain music like why do people enjoy music yeah why why you know if it's just evolution like what is music um what role does it serve people like it well why yeah, but, but we're, we're we're deeply Im- impacted by it and have right. always why? been right exactly it's like it's unexplainable by like pure logic and science right and um yet it is real yeah it is a thing that people like like to listen to music like don't you think something that extraneous and superfluous and seemingly irrational impractical would have been even if it was a strange anomaly that it would have been weeded out by just the natural progression of um the process of evolution for example right let's say like gills on the neck or something yeah like we don't need this what do we need this for what is it how does it help us survive it doesn't help us survive but yet it's a going concern and it's really important, especially to certain people. It has existed in every culture and meant something to every culture forever, mm-hmm. whether it's like the music of the church or it's the music of like punk rock or, you know, whatever. And why? Why? Why is that a thing? And it's to me, that is uh, an example of how. There are things that are real that uh, science really can't speak to. Right. You know? Not in any way that is meaningful. I'm sure someone could sit there and say the vibrational frequency of this particular note when it re when it interacts with a certain chemical within your brain. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm sure there's a way to strip all the magic out of that, but Mm -hmm. at its core, Again, I think all you need to understand is that if you listen to, um, I don't know, uh, Propagandi mm-hmm. or, or um, you know, Circle Jerks, mm-hmm. that's going to elicit a certain reaction within you than if you listen to Beethoven or Mozart or mm-hmm. Vivaldi, right? There yeah. is just – it has an impact. We can recognize that even if we don't have to understand it. And frankly yeah. – 
do we want does it have any more meaning if we strip all the magic out of it than if we sort of view it through a more enchanting lens well that's the that's the chicken or the egg thing in in some way but also at the end of the day it's like um you might have all the answers the scientific answers figured yeah. out at some point and once you've got that what do you really have so what it's like the thing when we first started talking about money it's yeah. like I, I know a lot of people that are really rich and are really miserable like yeah. might as well commit suicide say yeah. threaten to do it actually yeah like you know and it's like well clearly the answer wasn't in that you know and you solve all of your the problems around you like financial problems or um or or whatever problems of success or um uh, the appraisal of the people around you you can get all of those things and some people get all of them and yet like there's still something missing and they are still searching and they're not satisfied mm-hmm. why because um it doesn't mean anything and so why does anything need to mean anything right Right. So that's the thing, ultimately, to me, that's interesting to consider is the fact that um, there's clearly more going on than meets the eye, right? Mm-hmm. And um, people are not just content to um, survive for a certain point and then expire. Right. And then that's that. Um, and even getting these things like... A better job, a, a wife, a, th- a this or that, whatever. Like, um, ultimately, all those things are hollow too. Mm-hmm. Really, all of them. Because it all decays eventually, right? Well, on a long enough timeline. And I think if people are honest with themselves, even when they have it, it's still hollow, sure. even before it decays. Because ultimately, to me, um, to look for your hope and and satisfaction in any of those things to look for that is to uh is to deny the the existence of like what is really much more important that is also there but is subtle enough that you can easily put it out of your mind and deny its existence right right which is like some sort of a spiritual um purpose to everything and people have different, again, theories, right? I'm not saying one is right or another is wrong. I think they're all valid maps, mm-hmm. depending on which way you're going. But everyone is heading in the same direction, just like we were talking about before, like the people that disagree politically, right? Yeah. They both want to be happy and they both think they're doing the right thing. Right. They disagree on the means to get there. Sure. And, you know, it is what it is. But same thing here. It's like when it comes to this spiritual reality, let's say. Um, you know, there's a Christian way to do it, you know, and it involves uh, certain practices and a certain worldview. And then there's like a Druid, like, let's say, or Buddhist way. Well, and they seemingly are different on the surface, right? But they're different. They have different tools and different maps, different means to access and interact with the unseen which is shared by all of those people doing all of those practices and all of those techniques are effective 
Um, and so you can do, you can pick one of those things and get results that are meaningful, right? Mm -hmm. And and um, so in a sense, it's like none of them are true, but all of them are true. Yeah, right? I, mean, I mean, think about the arrogance that one must have to believe that one system, man-made system, even if it's yeah. divinely gifted, mm -hmm. uh, is the only right way. Because think practically. Mm -hmm. Someone who was born uh, in, in a pre-colonized Mexico or United States, mm -hmm. you know, in America, or someone and someone who was born in Nordic countries, mm -hmm. pre the Roman Empire, yeah. and someone who was born in uh, ancient Sumer. Mm -hmm. And someone who was born in Africa. Like, take all those people at the same time. Mm -hmm. And how can one say that any one of those practices, because I guarantee you they all have a spiritual practice of their own totally. sorts. Yeah. How can one say with no interaction with one another, which one is the quote unquote right one? Right. Exactly. I think we would, I think any, I think most rational people would recognize that they're all valid. Right. Yeah. And um, it goes back to the results thing. It's it like they're, they're valid. I, the only thing I would say about what you're saying where I would like not change what you're saying, but like maybe just add this to mm -hmm. it is like, yes, they're all valid if the results. Right. Which, is, which is like our main you know? point, right? Because it's our main point. Yeah. It's like you can you can say and people do this in their day to day lives without being magicians. Like, yeah. Things are this way, and it is this, and this is the truth. And yet everything going on doesn't support that claim. Right. Right? Like, uh, like, oh, I'm a good person. Then you like talk to the people they've left in their wake that all have nothing but bad things to say about their right. dealings with that person. Or conversely, and, some, right. someone, some stranger is going to call you a bad person, and right. yet all the people in your life would would say the contrary. testify to how much you've like yeah made their life better right yeah exactly and and so the fact is is you know you can say this or that you can make up your own religion you can come up with your own spiritual practice and um create a system of magic so that you can have an interesting instagram page mm. or whatever yeah. <laughs> you know and you can do that but what are the results of the of what you're doing yeah. like are you even getting results and if so are they good yeah. and are they can you tie them to the things that like you're doing right? right and so basically you know it's to me it's like it goes back to that thing of like certainly a spiritual practice of like you said sumer egypt rome today germanic germanic yeah tribal shamanistic you know practices um eastern we haven't even eastern, touched on eastern yeah, yeah we haven't yeah exactly and so all of those things it's like just look at the results yeah. and it's like um one thing you can say is just like music this thing of spiritual practice has always been important to people regardless of whatever the narrative is mm -hmm. that's being said about it like you know obviously Te as technology moves forward in in air quotes moves forward like is it really or things kind of <laughs> regress i mean we have but, we have faster phones but we still uh you know we and the we phone like literally only does things that already other technologies did before right already right and in some ways you could say maybe did them better yeah really. i mean you could certainly say that there's, there's a certain quality of life that has declined 
as technology has quote unquote advanced in some yeah. regards, right? You could yeah. look at uh, the the decline, the erosion of physical media. Right. You know, I just read an article that said Amazon was getting rid of like purging all these independent films <laughs> from their library. Yeah. So if you never owned it, then you know physical That's copy, it. then yeah. it's gone forever yep. potentially. Erased yeah. from the annuals of time. That's Steve Albini's whole argument yeah. about music, about why he won't record digitally. Is he wants right. it to be like, he makes this thing and it could still be discovered in a hundred years, you know, by yeah. someone and played on a machine. It's not like a Pro Tool session where like the plugins are all expired and the things don't exist and it's yeah. not compatible with the new technology, which is like totally a problem in the digital world. Of right? course. I mean, even so, like through the idea of hard drives, like they'll, yeah. an average hard drive, if you're lucky, will last five years. Right. So think about all these movies that are on all these drives that are like, yeah, you know. As a filmmaker, I've lost all kinds of things because, you know, for work that I've done for clients, um, over the years for that exact reason if yeah. i don't keep moving things around backing up stuff like attentively uh yeah there's like you know hours days years of work that are gone like for yeah. sure i've gone back to a hard drive and been like oh this whole thing is like well just can't look, even open it look at the the recent facebook crash instagram crash right all those things went down for a few hours. And, oh, yeah. And there were... Oh, yeah. You're like, I don't know. I don't I'm not know. on fucking yeah, social I media. Don't. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Yeah. you're smarter than me. social media. But like, but, like, for a few hours, there was a real possibility that, like, big chunks of our lives or the documentations of our lives right. could have, right, in exactly. an instance, completely disappeared. Never yep. to be seen again. That wouldn't happen if it was just full actual analog photos that right. you had. Right. Minus, like, a, a house fire or something. A house fire yeah. could, obviously, yeah, take that away. But... The rapture. Maybe. The rapture definitely. Will. <laughs> the raptors, yeah. The raptors could, yeah, yeah. The the basketball team as well as right, the right. Scale scaly ones, pretty tall dudes. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they can climb into some windows without yeah. ladders. Take, take your photos. They could take your photos. <laughs> they could get away with a lot. Yeah, they're good at passing. It's true. Yeah, you would never catch three guys. You would never be able to get it back. Just, just a matter of seconds. I'm really short too, so I they would right. just toss it over my head. Oh, totally. I'd yeah. never get it. Yeah, it's a big fucking problem. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, um, you know, I don't know. I just, I don't know. <laughs> we got distracted with Raptors. Talk yeah, I know. I'm not now just picturing this like whole scenario play out and thinking I need to like hide everything from the Raptors <laughs> when I get home. We need to get physical copies of everyone yeah. Yeah. and then make and get like Raptor proof locks on all of our doors for sure for both the creatures and the basketball players, just in case they get a, a wild hair to come and take all your information. But I think, right. you know, but, but, but all jokes aside, it really does speak to sort of the fleetingness of life in our experiences. Yeah. And you yeah. talked about how things that we, that we obtain, that we think are going to provide us substance, yeah. uh, be it a, a partner, be it a, a child, be mm-hmm. it a home, be it an identity, be mm-hmm. it an, a, a Instagram likes, yeah. be it a, um, whatever, whatever these things are, that the the church of mammon, mammon yeah, yeah the church of mammon has yeah. taught us yeah it's it's fleeting because because well, it's that old movie metropolis you know that yeah. movie yeah 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 the silent film it's like you know how literally they show the workers and it's, it turns into mammon yeah they call it i think they translate it to moloch but right. it's like totally the god of progress of like you know capitalism money yeah. like you know all of those things and it's like they're sacrificing people to this god. Like, that's the vision that the dude has yeah. in the movie, right? Right. And it's like, 
Yeah, it's an interesting illustration of of that notion of how you know the most godless person is just as religious as like the Christian that they talk shit about being like, oh, this stupid Christian right. who's like, you know, um, like worshiping this like imaginary god and it's like and yet they are looking for salvation too in yeah. the things that they're focusing their time and energy right, exactly. into for sure and yet oftentimes it seems to turn out that the person who ends up really having that crisis at some point not always but sometimes is the one who you know was looking to be saved by um achieving some sort of weird uh quota that they arbitrarily thought up at some point of like of success or achievements or like something right and and they do maybe they do do that and then they're like still empty inside right and then they're like well that wasn't it and then the other person who is connecting to something that essentially transcends all of those Mm -hmm. things you know that person who's working on that relationship and is worshiping that thing. Uh, again, not always. You know, I'm making generalizations, and these relationships are all unique, one to one. You know, really. And there's a lot of variables, but from what I've seen, anyway, it's like that latter type of person, the former being like uh, kind of noticing at some point, like having the existential crisis, like noticing, Oh, this is actually like, I've been wasting my time, like thinking this is going to be the answer somehow. Right. For decades, maybe. Well, the, the latter type person um, doesn't have that experience maybe because um, for one thing, what they're working towards isn't imaginary. It is real. Right. It is. And um, they are having a relationship with this thing that people want to um, make, be snide about and condescending about. Yeah. You know, and like, oh, that's like not real. It's like some medieval superstitious nonsense. Or you're not doing it right. Or my way or is Or whatever, the, yeah. yeah. My way is the only right way. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, um, well, look, everybody has some kind of God that they're working for. Yeah. They do. Whether they like it or not. They want to think that they're above that kind of thing or whatever. Sorry, you're not. And whether that God is you're worshiping yourself, mm-hmm. your ego, uh, whether it's vanity, van, yeah, whether it's Jesus, whether it's like the leader of the political group or like magical community or whatever that you're aligned yourself with thinking that that's going to give you an identity and a sense of meaning and purpose and everything else right that that's gonna answer all your questions and solve all your problems and and remove that like that hole that you feel in your heart that you felt your whole life that everybody feels well um you're looking to be saved by any number of these things, like in creating your own little religion and, right. and creating like a pantheon of gods and goddesses or a God within that. And, um, you know, if you would just stop and acknowledge that that's what you're doing, it's not that that's a bad thing to do necessarily, but like to be, again, that thing, know thyself, the hermetic mm-hmm. kind of saying, it's yeah. like, if you're if you just have no self-knowledge you're totally in the dark about who and what you really are 
uh, you're way more likely to fall, I think, into that kind of existential crisis at some point once the hollowness of everything, all of the work you've been doing kind of finally hits you like a ton of bricks and then you're just left with like no recourse. Right. You don't know what to do. Well, we've, we've witnessed it, right? We've seen yeah. people... And I, I'm not going to speak to their motives, but we've seen people who seemingly have it all. Yeah. Right. Celebrities seem like they have everything in the world. And then the next day we get a report that they've committed suicide. Right. And there's no real right. explanation that we'll ever get, you know. And I think yeah. what it comes down to is where our personal values lie and and how we define what's important to us and how mm-hmm. we seek to sustain that part of our that 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 soul part of ourselves that needs filling. There's um yeah. there's a book that I mentioned to you earlier. Uh, it's Mark Manson's The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Oh right. And within that book, he tells a a, a story about a musician who was in a band, mm-hmm. um, and he was fired from said band. Mm. And so, in retaliation from being fired, he uh, started another band, mm-hmm. and that band had a lot of success. In fact, he's known as one of the premier musicians in the particular genre that he was in right um this person was dave mustaine and his new band was megadeth which is one of the most successful metal bands of all time Mm -hmm. the problem was that his measure of success was being bigger than the band that he was fired from and and the problem was the band that he was fired from was this little known band called metallica which is the biggest metal band of all time and mm-hmm. so no matter how much success the average person, Dave Mustaine, achieves, mm-hmm. he will always weigh his success, his total success as a, as a musician by Metallica's success, which right. he'll never achieve, right? Mm-hmm. Conversely, I don't remember the gentleman's name, but the first drummer for the Beatles was oh, fired yeah. before they broke big. Mm-hmm. And he could have followed the path that Dave Mustaine followed, mm-hmm. but he actually was fine he's very happy with his placement he he went through some time i'm sure in the beginning where it was sucked like hey i could have been (laughs) one of the fab four you know yeah and i was fired and but you know he went on to get married and have children and carve out a a nice little life for himself and so Mm -hmm. on the one hand you have someone like dave mustaine who's got probably so many millions in the bank right mm-hmm. and success and acclaim and all the all, in a legacy that will live and transcend beyond his death and rest in peace which is a yeah, great record absolutely yeah, <laughs> yeah. and One then my favorite thrash uh, records yeah and then you have the guy who was the drummer for the beatles who i yeah. can't even remember his name yeah pete best yeah is that what it was yeah yeah yeah, yeah there you go so you got pete best who who no pun in, yeah there's pun intended mm-hmm. he's living his best life he's living his best life and he's very yeah. happy and and so and so I think it just highlights that the things that sustain us are not uh, material in, in nature generally. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, they really only come to us when we have that deeper reflection and that inward focus. And mm-hmm. we're, only, we're only measuring our own success by our own virtues and values and not what someone else is doing or how they're living their life or what mistakes they've made or what successes they've had or mm-hmm. those things don't matter. They're very empty. And in the end, we're all dying anyhow. Yeah. Unless someone knows a trick or some, there's some vampires listening from right. Transylvania. Otherwise. Yeah. Call me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. We're all, we're all dying at some point. Everything that we know, <coughs> excuse me, no problem. Everything that we know at some point 
you know, goes away mm-hmm. in the end. Now I'm quoting Nine Inch Nails, mm. but it's true. And so, mm-hmm. and so, when that time comes, will we be looking back and saying, you know what, that motherfucker on Twitter, or you know what, that person <laughs> had a bigger right. house, or you know what, this, that, or the other? I, I don't think so. And if we are, goddamn, yeah. that's a sad. That's sad. That's a yeah. sad waste of a, a perfectly good life. You know? Yeah, for sure. I mean. I don't know. It's hard to say these sorts of things, I think, at this point, because, um, you know, I I just know what my experience has been mm-hmm. for me personally, um, you know, and it's very specific, obviously. Yeah. Um, so to generalize then um, towards other people is like unfair, both to me and to them. Sure, right? of probably. So, yeah, having said that. Um, I certainly feel that, um, the, the feeling I have is that there is, um, there is this transcendent sort of, um, this transcendent being, let's Mm -hmm. say, that is real, Mm -hmm. um, and you can have a relationship with that. Um, you can have it through magic. You can have it through exoteric religion, like orthodox religion, yeah. even. Um, or you can do both. You certainly can do both as mm-hmm. well, which is people, I think, don't think you can, but you right. can, right? Um, I mean, the Golden Dawn is a movement of Christian magic. Right. It, it, it just is that. You're dealing with... Um, I mean, the, the the Golden Dawn, original Golden Dawn adepts were Anglicans. Right. Practicing Anglicans, right? Dion Fortune wrote a book that is the mystical meditations on the Christian collects, right? Going through the church liturgy, you know? So... Um, at the end of the day, I just think that, um, you know, ultimately what's the most important is, is what are you doing and what are the results? So it's like, if you decide to be a thelemite and, um, you're this egomaniac asshole who has no, who's like completely behaving in an unscrupulous manner and leaving like broken, upset, offended, and like hurt people everywhere you go you know, behind you mm-hmm. and then you like quit doing thelemic magic and then become like a Christian, mm-hmm. you know, then all of a sudden relationships start to be repaired, um, you know, in your life and you are, um, not at the center embroiled in controversies in the same way, maybe not at all anymore, right. let's say. Um, and, uh, you're having a positive effect on the people um, in your immediate purview and your life is more stable, uh, grounded. Um, opportunities seem to be coming that weren't coming before, let's say. Right. Almost like something was unblocked, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's not to say that Thelema is bad or and Christianity is good. It's not to then say, well, everyone should be a Christian. Right, because it could it's go just the opposite way as that. well. Totally. It totally could. And also not one size fits all. Right. 
So it, one thing may work for one person in one context and not when you start to change those variables I just mentioned, right? Yeah. Even one variable. But what you can do is look at what I just said. That's an example. This is a case study and say, well, uh, let's measure things by results. Let's judge by the fruits. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so clearly like at this point, quitting the Christian practice and going back to Thelema, probably not a good idea. Right. We've looked at this and measured like, well, while doing this, things changed and these are the results. And then also this conversely was the same thing. It's right. like, well, um, to me, it's really that. And yet it's also kind of, um, you know, if you don't have purpose, that's bigger than these kind of mundane things you know i don't think you have anything to like sort of really sustain you right through real testing like real real testing like losing everything or right. or having um everything just kind of not come together like you can take these breadcrumbs and have this kind of like meaningless materialist view of things where you're you think that it's enough that you, um, you know, feel like you did a good job at work every day. Like that's enough for you to live a whole life based around that. Um, maybe for some people it is, but like wa watch what happens when you lose that job and then you don't have money and then you have no friends and then this happens and uh, that happens. I, and it's like, I can give you, I can give you, know. you a, a direct example. Yeah. I've talked about this on the show before. Yeah. I came to realization after my, my divorce that I was basing for much of my adulthood, my self-worth on sexual prowess. Yeah. My ability to, uh, not only have sexual encounters, but the ability for my for me to be able to pleasure my partners, mm -hmm. um, the amount of tension that I got, these things for, mm -hmm. and I didn't recognize or realize it for a very very I mean literally most of my life to date. Yeah, it just I was just it was just the current that I was in, mm -hmm. and it wasn't until I and so what happened was when I would enter into relationships where. Um, libido patterns and rhythms are different yeah um or maybe mine was higher than my partner's or mm -hmm. or maybe periods of time where i was single and i wasn't dating or seeing anyone mm -hmm. i would fall into these deep depressions yeah like severe sincere depressions and and yeah. and and one of the things that i recognized post-divorce was that i at one point was like in the best physical shape of my life mm -hmm. i was making really good money at the time mm -hmm. i was um I was doing everything on paper that should, should have, have made, made me, you happy, quote unquote, made me right. happy and make me right. desirable. And it wasn't wasn't. Yeah. And um, and after this end, the cycle of these this hypersexuality followed by depression, which I, I think now, again, many, many, many years later is tied back to some trauma that I won't talk about. Mm -hmm. um, I. Once I had that realization, I could begin and have begun to make those changes. Um, luckily, I have a very amazing partner, and mm -hmm. uh, my my perspective on on sexual rhythms is much different than it was just two or three years prior. You mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. and um, and I've been able to divorce myself from that being the measuring stick by mm -hmm. which I decide whether I'm happy or not. 
Yeah. You know, whether I have sex once a month or five times a day mm-hmm. has, I mean, it's awesome <laughs> if it's the latter, yeah. but it doesn't exactly. have, it doesn't define my happiness like it would have. And I'm sure right. that this applies to most people in a lot of variety of things. It may not be sexual mm-hmm. uh, libido for some people. It may be uh, uh, job success, like yeah. getting promotions, uh, you know, in social media, we see it's likes. You yeah. know, and, and, and follower counts and whatever, you know, whatever views on TikToks and whatever is going on these days. Mm-hmm. Um, it There's these, these artificial defining uh, qualifiers that we use to measure our happiness that actually don't. Right, exactly. And, and, and the only way I think to truly achieve that personally for me is to dive in and to... And to and to bring in energy into my life that has allowed me to be fulfilled and satisfied and has and has uh, given quenched the thirst that I was seeking through physical material activities mm-hmm. um, and what to speak to our main point of all this is whether I had lots of sexual activity, was I happy? No. Right. Did I shift my focus from that to uh, my own version of spirituality? Is that making me happy at the moment? Yes. Right. And these are the, the, the this is what we're talking about with like you know judging by the fruit or right. let the success be thy uh, um, what's the term quarter thing let, let success be, be, thy, be thy, proof. thy proof yeah. yeah. You know, these are the these are those those self reflecting moments mm-hmm. that I feel like that's really the that's the that's the energy of magic. That's the cool part of of any sort of religion or spirituality. It's mm-hmm. it's that it provides you those tools and faculties mm-hmm. to achieve that evolution of oneself, so that you can divorce yourself from these things that are ultimately false idols. Yeah, I mean, results are I think so important. And um, another thing going back to like the divination thing where I was talking about like, well, if you don't believe in this sort of magical world, um, there's still, uh, there's still use to get out of doing divination. If you completely have only a, you know, materialist view mm-hmm. of things, which is the ability to induce lateral thinking where mm-hmm. you're sidestepping your normal linear pattern of belief and, you know, um, getting out of that for a second magic or no magic that alone is a useful thing to do yeah is is to be able to do that right um just for the sake of obviously you know um maybe breaking out of a bad cycle of thinking by even noticing it Mm -hmm. let alone changing anything so you know on that level also there's um there's this placebo effect kind of discussion that I've had with people who are like skeptics and certainly like coming into magic, I was a skeptic as well. I mean, so much so that I was interested at a distance in magic, but so skeptical that I didn't really dive into practice for almost two decades, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So like, I get it. And I think it's good. It's healthy to be skeptical and, um, you know, take the middle pillar approach. Don't, you know, be too um, goo goo gaga, like, uh, 
you know, whatever, woo-woo, like, wishy-washy, or, like, the other side of, like, so, like, convinced of, like, the rationality that you're, like, completely closed off to the possibility of, like, a spiritual reality that you could, like, experience because you just already decided that you know it's not there. Right. You know? Um, But, uh, you know, with that placebo thing, it's, like... If you're doing magic and magic isn't real and there's no spiritual reality whatsoever, some there's nothing that exists that you can't measure with beakers and mm-hmm. a lab and everything. Okay, well if that's the case, but if you do you start doing magic anyway and you decide that you believe that and your decision to believe that and the subsequent effect that that has on the way you think and that affecting the person you are becoming as you're changing day to day in your life like everyone is right yeah moving forward um and then the results are that you're let's say happier and making better decisions um that's a good reason to do it doesn't matter if it's yeah quote unquote real or not so i've had those conversations with people about that saying that the reason I've had that conversation is because that was where I started was with that understanding on my own, like on my own. The thing that I finally sort of decided is, well, even if this isn't real, I'm going to open my mind to the possibility that it could be real. Mm -hmm. And then from there, it's not far to say, let's just operate as though it is for now. Um, to to use that like an operating system of a computer and then do work like programs like and the work is this work and then later go back and decide you know you might decide well um that was a waste of time and i don't think that's like worth my effort and everything else and i don't believe that any of that exists or whatever the case may be but Mm -hmm. just set for the sake of the experiment to decide um i'm i'm going to um you know choose to think that if I'm calling on an archangel, it's going to answer, even if I don't know how or why or have any experience of that, I'm going to assume that it is happening and the problem was with is with me, not with it, Yeah. right? Me not perceiving it or whatever. And so you start to operate that way. And with the notion, again, that um, if the results are a net positive, the means of getting those results kind of doesn't matter. And you might, you might figure out answers to those things later, or you might not, but it really doesn't matter what the answers are. So so long as they're not doing harm to others in the, in the pathway of that, which oftentimes that's the results thing. Yeah. It's like, if the results are bad, then it's a different conversation. But if the results are good. Yeah. I mean, Dion Fortune has a quote about this where it's like the magician, um, gets, you know, I'm badly butchering her quote, certainly, but it's like, basically kind of what i'm saying it's like um the magician does a thing gets a result and doesn't really worry about um the how and why of it just moves on and like continues to like do the work and it's like you know again it's sort of like um it's just something that's been on my mind lately quite a bit about just in terms of like people will argue about things like the pronunciation of words in Latin or Hebrew or whatever, or they'll argue about the finer points of like the Thelemic doctrine of this or that, or they'll argue about like the correct or not correct even necessarily, but like what is the most like authentic, let's say 
version of like how to do the hexagram rituals in the golden dawn system let's say that right right um and getting caught up in those things um and then kind of missing the forest for the trees and forgetting like what the point of all of this stuff is like you know doing doing these things and then getting results and then if you're not getting good results then looking at it and going why changing things until you're getting them right so you are getting them and it's like you know again like with the whole thing about um about like sort of what's true and what's not true i mean for me I started skeptically enough to be like, I'm not even going to bother doing magic because like I'm too skeptical to then being like, well, I'm open to the idea that it's possible. Mm -hmm. It's at least possible. Then I'm like, well, now if I'm open to that, then I can easily sort of decide to do this work and just assume for the sake of the work that it is real and then allow it like allow nothing to happen and right. then say it never was a thing in the first place because right. look what happened nothing happened right but you don't know that unless you like give it a chance do you know what i mean yeah absolutely so and I that, mean, ultimately that's the scientific yeah. method right i think so yeah. yeah i mean essentially you do that and then in my case doing going through that process what it led to was me having enough experiences that happened where i got to the point where i was like well now i can't explain this from the skeptical guy perspective anymore like these things cannot be explained rationally and i have enough evidence to say that this stuff is real that it that it does exist it's not in my head i'm not um you know, it's not confirmation bias. You know, at a certain point, you can still make the argument, well, this is just confirmation bias. Like, I, I'm operating under this worldview that there's magic. And so synchronicities that happen, coincidences that happen, whatever word you want to use. Like, I'm adding extra significance and trying to fit everything into this to support this thesis that right. I've already decided on. And all the evidence I'm, like, fitting into that, right? Well, you, at a certain point, the evidence is so insane and so consistent and and over such a period of time that you go, like, it actually takes more faith to believe that science has all the answers and that this stuff isn't happening and right. isn't real. That takes more faith than to look at what actually the results are and just go, what makes sense here? It seems like when I do divination, I'm like every time I do it, you know, that like you said about the coin flip. thing, Yeah, it's that it's like, how do you explain away after years of doing it that like you're constantly saying these specific things? You have no possible way of knowing it turns out later you get the evidence and it's not a confirmation bias thing. It's not twisting any of the information to fit this preconceived narrative. Right. And it's in the not end, any of it. It's like after years of that, it's like there's something more to this that's going on. It's not about me, you know, um, finding the little bits and pieces. It's like I'm doing this experiment and I'm recording all the results, yeah. like all of them. I'm not just picking and choosing, cherry picking the things that fit like what I want it to be. Right. Same thing with ceremonial magic. Same thing with, you know, you name it. Right. So I went from a point at some point of like 
skepticism but curiosity from like an edgelord point of view sure, yeah. like a kind of like i'm like uh cool, i want to be a novelist and i'm wearing sweaters and smoking cigarettes and like yeah. i'm kind of into the occult too yeah i, I just want to be into weird stuff i went through a bukowski to, phase i know yeah you know what it is he sat out on the curb outside oh, yeah. a coffee shop with a chai in like yeah. 1998 yeah. You get it. yeah and so like you know um but going from that point to the point where it's like now you know looking back it's like well uh it I, I feel like it's more insane to go like oh i'm just fitting all of this stuff into this narrative and like those things like those things aren't real now it takes more faith for me to believe that when i call on some spirit that when the spirit answers it takes more faith for me to think that i'm making that up than it does right. to just believe that's what's happening right. and it's because of all of this experience and all of the evidence over all this time right and that you takes know. and that takes a level of self-awareness i think to be able to like we've talked about accurately accurately uh, analyze the results mm-hmm. realistically analyze the results mm-hmm. Uh, be very self-aware as to whether or not the results are what you think they are. Like, are you convincing yourself you're happy and that this is right. the best right. while your life is in shambles? Or mm-hmm. are you being honest about how things are going, how you're behaving, how are mm-hmm. you today versus yesterday? If you're doing all those things, which again, to me, are very rooted in science. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, scientists doesn't do an experiment with the hope of an outcome and then manipulate the data to support said outcome they they mm-hmm. just analyze it as it is yeah <laughs> and they redo it and they retest it and they control it etc cetera, etc cetera. Mm-hmm. if you're doing those things with your practice and what you're finding is that you are on a path to happiness then gold rings on you carry on yeah if, as long as you're not treating people badly right. and you're you know like for sure you're not uh yeah you're happy and you're making you're not making other people miserable by existing yeah. and you're not making the world shittier right. by you being in it. And it, it, everybody would be better off if you were gone. Yeah. If that's not true and whatever, that means whatever you're doing is working. And so like, keep doing it. Like nobody has all the answers anyway about right. anything. Like no matter what they tell you, they have, they don't. Right. Whether it's the priest at the church or it's, the person that says they cross the abyss like right if they're breathing oxygen they're not god they right. don't have god's perspective sorry but you're still limited by time and space and you're still a finite at least at this point in incarnation yeah like if you're breathing the same oxygen i am you may have insight and have experiences and be able to um work with consciousness certainly but um you're not omniscient. You're no. not. And I don't believe that. No, like of course that's not. not possible. And so, and more to the point, if if you're doing the self work, the self analyzation, and you're not happier, right. you're not moving in the direction you want to be. Right. Your life is still in shambles. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or you are, or you are making the world a better place. Maybe you are mm-hmm. making those around you miserable maybe maybe mm-hmm. you are those the, the exact things you don't want to be <laughs> yeah there is time to pivot with self-actualization mm-hmm. into a direction 
that perhaps will lead you to your desired outcome. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing is over until you're in the grave. Yeah. And so as and long even as, then it's not. And then yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're so coming you, back, you still have all that karma from when you fucked yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Time to deal with exactly. This has been piling it on for a lifetime. Right. So the, every day is a new <laughs> opportunity to be a better person, yeah. to be more empathetic, to be more compassionate, mm-hmm. to be more sympathetic, and to and to spread love and positivity and uh, make it's like camping right you want to leave the world yeah. a little bit better than you yeah, found yeah right it. leave it better than you found and if you're yeah, doing those you things can. or you're or you're and at, least, at the very least don't make it worse at least don't make it worse that's how right? i look at day-to-day life yeah. i look at it nowadays i look at it literally like that i go uh the best case scenario for today or even long term but let's just talk about every day today is the best case scenario is like i get all this shit done and i'm super successful with whatever i'm attempting to do with the day or whatever and like you know all this great stuff happens or opportunities come or like this and that and everything else okay that's like best case scenario um the the you know uh if that doesn't happen i'll be satisfied as long as i just don't make things worse if i don't create more bad karma like i don't really need all of that stuff i'm happy just knowing if i can do it and i can't always do it but that's the goal is to do that is to look at it in terms of like from a magical perspective like look every thing you say do think etc has an effect it's karma cause yeah. and effect yeah so there's a result and you may not understand how it happens or how it's going to manifest or why or you know all those things and that again goes back to the whole ethics thing you build a framework around like around ethics based on these sorts of things right mm-hmm. how does it affect everything so essentially you look at the day and you go well if I can't today, like knock it out of the park with the project or the thing or the date isn't going to go, it doesn't go well that you were going on with the new person you met and this and that and everything. It's like, well, as long as I don't like make someone's life worse or, you know, treat someone like shit or, um, you know, uh, again, make things shittier yeah. by, by participating in existence, um, that's a win. That's a win is to not make things worse and not create bad karma. And if you do make things worse, if mm-hmm. you're if you're living in a world of bad karma, mm-hmm. as long as you can recognize it and tomorrow you can be a little bit better, mm-hmm. you know, it's an always it's always an uphill uh, journey. Right. But if you mm-hmm. can at least recognize that you fucked up that day yeah. or you've been fucking up. Mm hmm. And you can make the necessary adjustments and you can get back on the horse and you can keep trying. I also think that's a win because if you keep at it. That's important. Yeah. It's important. It's like AA. It's like you can't solve the problem until you admit you have a problem. Right. And it's like the know thyself thing. It's like if you're not willing to take a hard, long, hard, painful look at yourself and move your ego to the side just for a second. And go like, maybe I'm the cause of all my bad luck, quote unquote. Or maybe I'm the reason that I'm not getting what I want. Maybe I'm the problem. Mm -hmm. You know, most of the time that is what it is. Right. You know, and so in that case, like, if you're not willing to do that, you know, draw your own conclusions. Right. But ultimately, if you're if you get to a point where you're either strong enough or desperate enough, depending on the the person and on the circumstances, if you get to that point and you do that, then now you have an opportunity to change things. But you can't change anything if you don't know what what anything even is. Right. Right? If you're just totally in the dark. And you have this narrative built up and you don't even, you know, it has no connection to what reality 
right. is. You know? Right. I, I mean, listen, I, I don't think there's a better way to sum up sort of the whole of this conversation. I think that really nails it on the head. And I hope that as folks listen to this and, and have their own takeaway from it, that uh, it at least plants a seed of daily, if not hourly, if not every moment of self-reflection and self-actualization and self-awareness so that you can make those necessary changes to be the, the hero of your story that you want to be. And uh, I appreciate the time that you spent. I mean, again, literally, we could just carry a microphone with us. This is like every interaction, <laughs> yeah. basically. But yeah. I appreciate your time. I thank you for coming on and and sharing your insight and being open about it and in, indulging in some of these philosophical views on magic and how it applies to our life. Because I, it seems to be to be a little bit of a, a rarity to find these kind of conversations. By virtue, sometimes of the of the platform by which they're they're attempted to be held, and mm-hmm. and so uh, I've enjoyed the hell out of it. I I always come away from a new with a new perspective whenever we hang out and talk. Likewise, and, brother. Likewise, uh, it goes thank both you. ways. Thank you, and I and I hope that folks listening will will gleam as much as I did from this and uh, and apply it to their life because that's what, kind of the whole point, right? We all just try to do our part in this in this big wheel of life and and try to make it just a little bit better. I hope so. I hope everything that I've said wasn't just a hundred percent ponderous bloviating. I hope that there was maybe a couple things that were useful to someone or interesting, at least entertaining, at yeah. least. Well, we talked about raptors, so that's at least there. There was that. Yeah. I was a part of that, and so yeah, I can feel like I haven't totally wasted everybody's time. So maybe that's a good thing. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again for the show, and I'm sure we'll have you on again down the line. Yeah. See you next week. All right, take <laughs> no, care. <I'm> <laughs> Thank you all again for listening. I, I really enjoyed uh, having a conversation in this manner. Sometimes these uh, episodes will center around sort of a, a product coming out or a, a profession that one's doing or you know a skill that one is someone is, that I'd like to amplify. But in this instance, it was really just two friends having a conversation like we normally would. And I hope that you all enjoyed sort of being a fly on the wall for that. I hope that it has raised some... Um, conversation points that maybe you'll have with your own friends or maybe it raises some perspective that you might not have had or maybe you disagree with all of it and that's totally cool too the point is to field and listen to and ingest different points of view so that we can more strongly form our own and feel really really solid about what our beliefs are and i think the only way to do that is by conversation discussion disagreement at times civilly um, and and with nuance, which I know is a rarity these days. And from all these discussions, we can elevate and uh, evolve our perspectives and our intuition and uh, in, continue to improve our practices as it relates to the best way to serve us. So thank you all once again for listening. I appreciate you so very much. And thank you for giving uh, myself and Whitney some time to just sort of wax poetic about our feelings on magic and until next time uh thank you so much for listening and gold rings on you all